Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Well, hello there, and welcome to another Mission Unstoppable. Can you believe it? We're in our 11th year now. Wow. I can't believe I've been here for so long. And I want to thank each and every one of you who have stuck by and been so interested and and so loyal. I really do appreciate that. My guest today, uh, you all know her. Dr. Judith Orloff, and she's not only a New York Times best-selling author, but she is also on the UCLA Psychiatric Clinical Faculty, and she's been featured in several feature films I'm sure you've seen, including What the Bleep Do We Know, PGS, The Personal Guidance System, and Beyond Belief. She has been transforming the face of psychiatry and proving that there's links between the physical, emotional, and spiritual health that cannot be ignored. Dr. Orloff specializes in treating empaths in her latest book, you can hold that up. The Empath Survival Guide teaches skills for embracing the empath's gifts and how to avoid taking on these other people's stresses. And to learn more about empaths, you can go to her Facebook empath support group, which now has over 10,000 empaths. And Dr. Orloff also offers an empath survival online class at her website, drjudithorloff.com. Welcome so much. Welcome to the show. I'm so pleased to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here with you. Thank you. You know, this is a topic kind of near and dear to my heart because I do, I took your quiz and I was like, yeah, I do take on stuff. And I remember asking somebody a couple, maybe about a month ago, you know, I said, I'm feeling depressed, but I'm not depressed. Like, but I've got this overwhelming sense of, of, of sadness. Where's it coming from? Cause I wasn't hanging around large groups of people. Like, I wonder how far does it go out? Like how, how, how far can you extend that, that uh, radius to, to take in people's feelings? Oh, I think probably forever. Yeah. Wherever there is life forms, you know, if you have the capacity to sense as empaths do, because we're emotional sponges and we tend to have a very keen intuitive sense. So we can sense energy from, you know, very far away. Time and space don't really have the same meaning to us as the linear mind might think. And so you might feel a friend who's, you know, I'm in California. You might, I might feel a friend on the East coast. Okay. And suddenly something comes to me or I might feel a friend in China. That makes and, a lot of sense then. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. So we, we are going to establish that you are an empath. And since you were a child, you've been sensitive. And you come from a long line of physicians, like 25, did I read correctly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a long line of physicians in my family. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And were they, did they clue in or cue in to, to your sensitivity? Did they know what it was? Or did you know what it was? Um, well, in the empath survival guide, I write a little bit about my journey because as a child, I was an empath and I could sense and know things about people and I would go into shopping malls and walk in fine and, and walk out with some ache or pain I didn't have before, feeling depressed or anxious or exhausted. And my parents, who were both physicians, you know, said, oh, dear, you know, you just need to get a thicker skin. 
So they didn't say to me, oh, dear, you're an empath, you know, and this is how you navigate a shopping mall. And this is why you prefer being one to one versus with 20 people at once. No. And this is a beautiful thing that I didn't get any of that. I just thought you needed to change. There's something wrong with you. And so I grew up ashamed of my empathic intuitive abilities. But they weren't your hypochondriac. Were they? Um, yeah. They, they, a little they, bit. That did they think I was a hypochondriac? They thought I was making things up. Okay, yeah, which is very you know hurtful for a child. Because and, and I want to say because it's so common is that they love me. Right. And they were amazing parents, but they didn't understand this aspect of it. That's why I'm so keen on writing about empaths and educating empaths, so they don't feel the way I felt as a child, where you're quote overly sensitive. Yeah. You know, something wrong with you and you need to change it or you're pathologized by the traditional medical system in some way because they don't know how to properly diagnose empaths. So I, you know, as a psychiatrist, you know, and with a strong scientific background, I want to help educate empaths so that they can flourish. And so they're not just medicated or pathologized or walk around exhausted or with autoimmune diseases that they feel like they can't do anything about. And, you know, the, the secret is, and I write about this in the book, is to learn strategies to not absorb other people's stress or energy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something I practice every day. Okay. It's, it's an ongoing process of learning, of honing, of, of becoming better at it, of becoming good at setting boundaries, protecting your energy field, protecting your space, being loving, making choices about who you hug, you know, and just the whole idea that we're these subtle energy fields that extend through our bodies and way, you know, outside. My energy field is much bigger, you know, big, big, mm -hmm. big, and it can extend. And because we're bigger than we think, we affect, other, we interact with other people and we affect other people with what we've developed in our field. So if you're raging with anger, but you have a smile on your face, an empath can feel the anger that's oozing off of you. you know, yeah. Or the same thing, you know, if you're, you know, feeling compassionate and if you're feeling self-love, that radiates from you too. And we can sense that too. Empaths, you know, flourish, of course, on, on those kind of vibes. And we want to develop them in ourselves. But there's certain strategies that you must learn very specific strategies to thrive as an empath. I think it's important uh, for those who are listening and haven't even heard of the word empath before. Um, let's just, if you could just give it a, the difference between, between having empathy, sympathy, and being an empath. I think those are confusing sometimes. Yes. Well, empathy is that beautiful quality that many people have of being able to have your heart reach out to someone and feel for them, whether they're in pain or in joy, where you, you feel, you resonate, you get, you get where they're going through. But being an empath is higher up on the empath spectrum, where not only do we feel what's going on, we take it on in our own bodies. So we're an emotional sponge, and that's where the problem lies. Because we don't want to be doing that. This is the downside of being an empath. You can be empathic and compassionate, hold space for someone without taking on their stuff. So you talk about different empaths. There's emotional ones. There's physical ones. There's animal ones. There's relationship ones. There's you know all these different kinds. But if I if I was reading your book and I go, oh my god, I'm the overeater. I've got pain in my body. I've got all this stuff going on. How would I be able 
to start disrobing or taking that stuff away and going, what's, what's, what's medical, what's not, what's empathic, what's not? Is there a way to, to kind of do that? Well, the first step is take the 20-question self-assessment test in the beginning of the book to ascertain how much of an empath you are. Because that's important. Some people score 20 out of 20. Mm-hmm. And there are questions such as, have I been labeled as, quote, overly sensitive? Do I prefer taking my own car places so I could leave when I please and not feel trapped yes. in too long <laughs> in a social situation? Mm-hmm. Am I sensitive to noise, sm- smells, or excessive talking? Do I prefer replenishing myself alone versus going out and being with people? So there's certain um, kind of key foundations to being an empath. And you need to know if you have these qualities. So you can say, yes, I'm a full-fledged empath or I'm medium or I have some empathic traits. So Mm -hmm. you want to acknowledge what you do have. And then secondly, you want to, you know, identify each of your issues. You know, it's always good in the beginning if I see patients um to have them look how is this affecting my life now is it affecting my eating habits am i overeating to protect myself from negative energy maybe i don't think of it that way but you can learn to see that um how is my energy level am i exhausted a lot of the time um do i absorb other people's emotions you have to start asking yourself that and training yourself to notice like for instance just notice your baseline emotional state have an interaction with somebody and see what happens to your own emotions and your energy. And if your mood changes, your energy level changes, most likely you've taken on something. Right. And then what do you do with that? Number one, you breathe, breathe it out. If anything is uncomfortable in your body. Don't say you made it up. Because empaths often talk themselves out of what they're actually feeling, the very real experience. And I just want to say something that, Throughout my entire life, people, doctors, people have said to me, you're the only one who ever experienced this. You know, if I had a side effect to a medication, if I didn't feel comfortable. And it is the most crazy making statement, I think, in the whole world, because it doesn't matter if you're the only one who ever experienced it. If it's real for you, it's real, period. Right, right. Don't let anyone talk you out of it, what you know to be true. You see, and that's hard when you have doctors telling you you're a hypochondriac, or all your tests are normal, and you're still feeling exhausted. Right. That's that's because they don't know how to diagnose you. So in any case, don't talk yourself out of it. Um, learn how to ground and center yourself through meditation, through breath, through earthing, through spending time in nature, um, through dealing with your emotional triggers. Because I, I work a lot with that in myself because when you're triggered, let's say, you know, somebody makes you angry mm-hmm. and you're triggered by something, then your energy gets drained very quickly. But if you work on that issue, whatever that anger issue was, you can confront it again and you go, oh, okay, I see it. But it doesn't go in viscerally. Right. So it's a process. You know, you know about this. You know, I could see that you're, you know, relating to this. Um, but it's a practice of self-healing, being an empath and learning how to set very clear boundaries and being able to know yourself. What am I being triggered by? Because whenever I'm triggered, I always look at myself and I say, what in myself do I need to look at and heal? Mm-hmm. And that will stop me from absorbing it in the future, the healing work that I would do on myself. Yeah, because I think sometimes you're, you've got so much going on that that's just tipped. It just tipped it 
the scale and, and, you, and you weren't prepared and, and you did take in all that, you know, you're shaking from the anger from, and it goes on too long almost, you know, you're trying to breathe in. Yeah. Good point. You don't want to let anything go on too long. Yeah. Just nip it in the butt. The minute you have to, it's a process of self-knowing, you know, when you get triggered, it's good to notice in that instant and not judge yourself, but just say, okay, I'm triggered and I'm getting drained by this person. This person's depression is sucking the life out of me. You know, if that's your button, you your, know, your number two strategy was, was return to center, return to center, return to, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, there's, in the book, there's a, there's a mantra return to center. Yeah. You pick up something to say, return to sender. It is not mine. Yes. And I just want to tell everyone that you don't have to be a martyr if you're an empath. No, I, I could never survive as a psychiatrist. No, gosh, no. Workshops, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people get into that archetype as they feel that to be compassionate, they have to take away other people's pain. And that's the kiss of death for an empath. Really, yeah. you can't do that and thrive. As an empath, you can be joyful and experience the mysteries of life and be intuitive and be sensual and be open and connect to nature and all kinds of amazing things. Once you get some practical tools down that I discuss in the book to protect yourself and take care of yourself a little bit more. Then, Relationships might, must be a little difficult for some people who need that time alone, who, who need to, you know, just be away because people get hurt. Feelings get hurt. And they go, well, why don't you want to be with me? You know, as a partner, let's say. So that can be a little difficult, I think, for some people to hold a. Oh, that's a whole, whole powerful spiritual topic of empaths and relationship. And I, I've written a chapter about that because I feel I, it's so much a part of my process. I, I've been in a relationship the last five and a half years, which is the all time record for me. <laughs> I practice, no, really, because I, I've needed so much solitary time to write, to be by myself, to be with the ocean. It's just never felt safe until at this point in my life, like later in life, I finally am ready. So anyone who thinks you're on a timetable, it comes when it comes, when you're yeah. ready. So, you know, but, but as you made the point, you have to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to say, I can't be with you now. I need to be alone. I need to meditate and I need to not have you moving around. So I even hear you, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, and you need to have someone go, great. Bye. You know, yeah. <laughs> and understand. Yeah. Love me. Yeah, exactly. You don't love me. You couldn't love me if you do that. I, and I get that. I, I've been on both sides of that. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's understandable. Um, you talk about Generation S and how, how important empaths are as we're moving into heart-centered, into fifth uh, dimension thinking, I guess, and into this new, um, this new you know, dynamic, I guess, you know, the future. Why do you think they're so important to the future? I, I believe that empathy will save the world. I do. I feel so strongly about it because empathy is an extension of intuition. Right. You, you could begin to feel other people with something other than your mind. The mind is just a big distraction a lot of times. Yeah. If you want love, if you want empathy, you've got to feel with your heart and you've got to be in your body. It's a whole different mechanism than being in your head. And believe me, as a psychiatrist, I love being in the mind but I also know its limitations and in terms of the kind of changes we're looking for the mind will help but it won't be the primary motivator it's the heart and the empathy 
know, even if you don't like someone, even if they're pushing mm -hmm. buttons, to rise above whatever opinions you might have to feel the commonalities and to feel where the other person is coming from. And then at least you have a starting point. But until we get to that point, you get nowhere with the mind. The mind will just come up with all these good reasons why we're different. Well, we got our ego just loves it. <laughs> loves the attention. <laughs> you have to know the place of the mind and you have to tame the mind because the the negative thoughts and you know all that whole thing is a is like a, a you know, I was reading Byron Katie recently, who I really like her work. You know, she talks about it as a spin machine, the mind, you know, uh -huh. just spinning scary stuff all the time. And you don't want to let that get a hold of you. you well, want while I have you here, I'm going to ask you this question because it comes up a lot through yeah. a lot of shows. Why do we default to the negative? Why, why can't we just default to the positive? Like, why is it so hard to do that? Because fear is a lot stronger than anything else. And it, it, when you start feeding fear, it gets bigger and you start blowing it up. And so part of the spiritual path of an empath and, and everyone really is to not let yourself succumb to fear. As mm -hmm. if you succumb to fear, it's all over. It becomes mm -hmm. a different ballgame there. Um, and it's really hard. I mean, I wrote my book, Emotional Freedom, to help people transcend fear and to work with it in themselves. It's something you have to work with all the time because it's just part of human nature. It's part of our challenges here to learn how to deal with fear. But, you know, and, I, I find it so interesting that, that people will go, oh, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. Instead of going, I'm, I'm going to pass this, I'm going to fail because if I think I fail and I pass, I'm going to be happy. But if I say I'm going to pass and I fail, I'm going to be so unhappy. So they would rather think, I might be a failure, then, then I'm a winner I, or, or I'm going to pass. I mean, it's so, for me, you have yeah. to do the other. It, it's not as if they would rather do that. It's as if they're, they're, the upbringing wasn't conducive to that kind of thinking. And so a lot of people have post-traumatic stress from their childhoods, and they need to reprogram those beliefs that the parents have just inundated you with. And I don't underestimate those at all. However, it's possible to reprogram that. But you have to know, what are my parents' beliefs? What have I absorbed from my parents? And, and how can I cut some of the bonds with my parents with those negative beliefs? And in the book, there's a cord cutting meditation mm -hmm. where you can do a partial cord cutting. Let's say you don't want to carry the anxiety of your mother around anymore. You're an empath. You were brought up with this anxious mother, you know, as I was. You don't want to carry around me dead anymore. Chicken little. My mother yeah. was chicken little. <laughs> not, I'm not cutting off my mother. I'm cutting off the anxiety. Right. My mother. Yeah. So there are visualizations and energetic techniques that you can use to do that. But you have to be aware enough to know what's happening first. And most people who don't know about empaths don't even know that you could take on your mother's anxiety. And age 50, 55, you're still carrying it around. You know, or age 90. There yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you not want it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I find most people never even question their belief system. They, they never even question them, themselves. And they, that's what we believe. What we believe, our family. We, not me. They don't no, question, right? That's a mistake. If, if it's not a healthy belief system, that's a big mistake. Um, but I, I, what I've seen in, in Empath Awakening and working with a lot of patients who are empaths in my workshops, 
um, is that more and more are awakening to everything we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's a giant awakening. The, the term empath is so popular now. I remember talking to my publisher with this book, you know, saying, well, maybe we shouldn't use the word empath because nobody knows what it is. And then we decided, no. And then right after the, the empath survival guide came out, it's everywhere. Everybody thinks they're an empath now, which, you know, they, they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they're all this massive. Awakening. So this awakening, this awakening is, is, where's it coming from? Oh, I think it's coming from the forces of goodness. Good. I like that. Absolutely. I mean, in the, in the Bible, you know, there's a saying, the meek will inherit the earth and the meek is translated as sensitive. Yes. It's not meek, you know, isn't that great, but it means sensitive, the sensitive, the empathic, the loving will inherit the earth. and you know, to me, that's where it's at. In, in, on your Facebook um, page, you have 10,000 empaths in your group. Are most of them North American? Are they coming globally? Is there a center in that's the world? Global. It's, oh, it's, it's global. It's every country in the world, you know, and, um, you know, a lot in Scandinavia. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot in Scandinavia. It's interesting. There, you know, a lot of yeah. these. So there's, you know, more depression, um, Scandinavia, the UK, South Africa, um, Brazil, Japan. It's exciting. (laughs) Everywhere. We have empaths from everywhere. Wow. I love that. I love hearing that. And, and is there, I mean, we touched on a little bit with your own childhood, but you know, they talk about the, the, the children, the crystal children and the, and all these different kinds of children coming into the world. Um, is, is there an empathic child who's coming into the world now? Are you seeing more of these children? Oh, yes. I, I was just with my spiritual teacher who's a Taoist for uh, two weeks meditating recently. And he brings the children in at the end. You know, the, oh. And all the children from little babies to, you know, teenagers. And you just see them putting their hands together, bowing, opening up to the heart energies. It's just so beautiful. You know, it's... They're strong and they're, you know, great kids. They're not wimpy kids right. in the sense of not being in their power, but they're open to these energies. And even little babies, he has, you know, them putting their hands together and going like this. It's just wow. really, really nice. So, yeah, I think among some children, there's this big change, you know, and, and I think it's growing. And that's why I wrote a chapter in the book on raising empathic children because I wasn't raised that way. Mm-hmm. And it's been part of my journey to heal that, not being seen, not being heard, feeling like a person from another planet, you know, and not belonging here. All of that that's so common to empaths that we all have, you know, a lot of us have those feelings because we didn't have anyone to really relate to like us, unless you were really lucky, you know, and you found somebody. But um, having a kindred source of community and, and other empaths is so important. That's why I have the um, empath support community on Facebook. And, um, you know, I give workshops. I'm giving one this weekend for a gathering of empaths up at Multiversity in Santa Cruz. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really, when empaths get together. Oh, it must be something. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's such a beautiful thing because you have your, you know, your spiritual family in a sense. Mm-hmm. Get you. You don't have to explain everything. <laughs> they just get it. They feel it. Yeah. How, that must be really, the energy must be incredible. 
when you it, walk into that room. It's so beautiful. And it's a practice of deepening too and, and, and sorting, getting through layers of fear so that that doesn't dominate your empath experience. No, and reprogramming and letting go of old beliefs and coming into, you know, it's a certain kind of power really that you have to hold humbly um, and use well to help others and to help yourself. Um, but it's, it's a spiritual practice as I see it, you know, coming into your own abilities like that, your own empowered nature in a humble way, not ever with your ego and thinking right. you're so great. You know, you never want to think you're so great. You, could, yeah. you know, you could love yourself, but not I'm better than anybody, you know, or I'm special. You know, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I, I've met people like that too, but I, I, you know, I guess with, with energy healers and, and movies like you've been in and, and the books that, that are all out there, it is becoming more commonplace for people to, to understand and awaken. And they heard, first they heard about light workers and now they're hearing about, you know, empaths and, and different kinds of people out in the world who are, who are looking to heal it. And, and in so many areas. And when I look at, you know, I'm in Canada, but when I look at, you know, a president in the United States who talks about, you know, global warming is not being anything. It's kind of a scary thing when we all know that there's something going on and we need to help heal. Yeah, yeah definitely. But, you know, I look at everything as a lesson, you know, for us and humanity. And hopefully we're waking up. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully this experience is helping us to wake up to a better way of being together as a global community, you know, by seeing, you know, what isn't true obviously isn't true can awaken us to oh okay you know what can we do about it so you know sometimes seemingly bad things are good and Mm -hmm. sometimes seemingly good things are bad so you you really don't know until it kind of plays out you know but you have faith in in the powers of goodness and light always have faith in that don't dwell on the darkness that's a mistake yeah yeah i i love that that you know, people will say to me, well, you know, actually that was the reason that the, the good radio started was because God said, go and find one person who's changing the world because somebody had said to me, what can one person do? And I go, one person can do a lot. Look at Dr. Judith Thorloff, what she's doing to change the world. So one person can. And I thought, okay, I can do that. I can go find all these one persons, you know, who, who are, who are making a difference, be it little or, or big, you know, it doesn't, it could be a smile or it could be, you know, throwing millions into boreholes, who knows, but they're making a difference in the world. And it's so interesting when I say, but you should see the people that I know in the world because they're just heart centered and they're working, you know, beautifully in tune. And and gosh, if you guys just knew about them and you're out there, you're out there for all the world to find and see. Um, I guess some people just have to wake up to it and, and go, yeah, okay, I'm ready now to hear that. Right. And sometimes empaths are afraid to reach out, you know, because they haven't been accepted. But even just try it, you know, take a baby step, you know, reach out to another sensitive person or you know, join my Facebook group or come to a workshop or just be open to one person. You know, empaths don't like a whole bunch of people all at once, usually, unless you're an extroverted empath, which is a, a type where you might like, like me. them. <laughs> Like what? Me. I'm very extroverted. No, you're an extroverted. Yeah, I'm an introverted one. But you can be both. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of empaths, you know, just prefer one-to-one or being with their animals. Yeah. Because empaths love animals or, or being by the ocean. So that's okay. 
you know, you don't have to change. You just maximize what feels good to you and stay in touch with your intuition all along the way as you live and grow throughout the entire lifetime. This isn't something you just do now or in a workshop. This is a life path as far as I see it. It's a wonderful book. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you think that you are an empath or, or you have feelings for other people, you can take the quiz at the beginning and, and you definitely know the Empath Survival Guide. And what can they expect to, to learn in the course? More than what's in the book? Yeah. yeah. Um, there are video lessons that I, that I give uh, where it's me recorded. So you okay. see me, you feel me, you feel the energy. I lead you through exercises. And it goes through different aspects of being an empath. What is an empath? Empaths in health, empaths in love, empath raising empathic children, how to empower yourself as an empath. Each um, lesson has a different topic. Right. Uh, and so it's, I had so much fun doing it, and it's so useful. It's awesome. really a really good teaching tool. DrJudithOrloff.com. Go there. Yeah, and you could listen to it at, or watch it at your convenience because it's download. Okay. That sounds amazing. So – and you've got your other books and you've got this workshop happening in Santa Cruz this week, this weekend. You're, you're a very busy lady, but it's good. I also have a lot of alone time, so I'm not just busy running around all the time. I want to make that clear to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) She's been in a relationship for five years now. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Good job. Well, I promise to keep this to 30. Usually we go an hour, but I promise to keep it to 30. And I really want to thank you so very much for being my guest today. Um, you've written a very important book. It's going to help a lot of people. I know it's already helped me by reading it. And okay. I'm sure it's going to help a lot more people too. So thank you so much for, for standing up for the impasse of the world and, and taking that stand and encouraging them to come out and play. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Facebook people, we will see you next Thursday. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so very much. Hang on a second. I'm just going to stop our, our recording.